Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels from the Santa Monica studio as we roll into February, a jam-packed time on the tennis calendar. They're playing tournaments all over the world right now. And uh, joined by reoccurring guest, friend of the show, Nico Pereira. Welcome back to Tennis Channel Inside In. It's good to see you, man. Always a pleasure. Happy New Year. Happy it's, New it's Year. February, but hey. <laughs> Yeah, it's been good. Uh, you know, Aussie was just an incredible time. So much storylines and so much action. We're into this part of the year where some people say it's like that. It's the time to earn your living, you know, on tour. It's where there's there's no Masters events. There's no Grand Slams. But there really is action. There's play on different surfaces. We've got indoor in America. South America's got some events. So it's still a fun time to really just see what happens. Yeah, it's beautiful to watch right after the first major of the season. They're gearing up for the Sunshine Double and the two back-to-back Masters 1000 in the ATP. And also the WTA has some action, but it's beautiful to see them playing in different surfaces and different continents. And it's just, you know, you, you just wonder at mm. how much tennis has evolved in the last 20 years and the amount of events and the, the opportunities mm. that the guys have these days i think it's so good it's very valuable whether it's the american events having an event in dallas the indoor hardcore event the uh buenos aires tournaments the clay down there it's good to have opportunities for different players to make a living to play tennis in their backyard or in their region of the world i think that's a very good thing that the game has done is add these tournaments locally so players don't have to just try. You know how brutal the travel is, but to be able to play some regional tennis this month is a good thing. It's great for Dallas to have an ATP. Dallas has been a city with with a lot of fans and, and, and a lot of players that come from there, so that's always great to see the guys having an opportunity to play at home. But for Latin America, it's huge. They fought for a long time. They have four tournaments. They started in Cordoba this week. It's Buenos Aires, then... We have Rio de Janeiro, and after that, Santiago. So it's a, it's a good opportunity yeah. for South Americans. And, and, and a lot of Europeans show up as well. Good fields of, of players down on the on the mini clay court season. Yeah, a lot of good fan support as well uh, at those tournaments. Well, it wasn't all good news this week. We got to spend a lot of time, uh, you know, talking about the, uh, the unfortunate story. Juan Martín del Potro retiring from tennis, it would appear. Uh, based on all indications that that was his last match in Buenos Aires, in his home country, against country mate Federico Del Bonis. Lost in the first round. It had been a brutal you know, journey just to even get back onto the court. Fractured the same kneecap twice in back-to-back years. Said he just wants to live a life pain-free going forward. It was in front of 80 friends and fam friends and family members his mom uh his mom patricia sister julietta their first time his mom had seen him play live and he broke down in that final game it was very emotional um the interview after pretty much confirmed that he's going to be retiring uh emotional time and and somebody that his place in the game i'll start this because i know you've got some strong feelings about what he meant and how everyone seems to like him but 
I think this era of tennis for what he did, it can never be lost in the ages that he gave the best in the world, the best of all time, all they can handle, has multiple victories over the big three, and uh, did it in a way that I think just personifies class, perseverance, and uh, you can't really find one person that says much bad about the guy. You said it pretty well, and, and Juan, who I've been following since his 13, 14, it's one of those special talents that unfortunately got hurt too many times along the way. He could play until 33 with, if you add him up, it's about five years that mm. the, the, the guy was off 10 wins over number one players. That's head and shoulders, yeah. uh, the leading number in that category. You have the solo major at the U.S. Open, then you have the Olympic medals, the Davis Cup, and 22 tournament wins, and, you know, just the sheer presence of the guy. And you talked about the emotions, and to me that's the most important thing because it's uh, intangible. Yes, he traveled well. A lot of Argentinians all over the world always were very vocal about his support and what they meant. He's a very um, introverted person, uh, doesn't like to share his feelings too much. Plus, on top of the injuries, his father passed a year ago. So yeah. that was a huge one for him because he depended on his father emotionally. And, you know, they were like best friends. His father handled all, all of his affairs. So for him, it was very difficult going back into the court for the first time without his father being present. And then his mother you never saw him play live. That, that's something, you know, very, very unusual. Uh, when it comes to, to tennis players because parents are the driving force yeah. behind them. And knowing him from, from Argentina um, and knowing where the town that he comes from, Tandil, which is, you know, the mecca of Argentinian tennis, considering the amount of, of uh, people that live there. And, and uh, he, he's one of those gentle giants that likes a quiet life. And it was tough. That was a tough call. I had to, to uh, you know, restrain myself during the match. And, and uh, it was great to to see him uh, welcoming to that stadium. That, that court for him is very special. As he mentioned, you know, he, uh, he grew up watching people play on that court. So for him, it was very special. Yeah, I think you mentioned on the broadcast, you know, he is an introverted person, but when they announced he was playing, tickets sold out immediately. Like, they love him, and he loves the crowd. And, and you know, I just feel sadness and empathy towards the guy who clearly loves the game, dedicated so much that after all the surgeries, I think eight in total, knees both wrists had abdominal strains and the fact that every conversation gets around how good how dangerous he was on the court and just what a nice guy he was you saw something happen on social media with tennis players and journalists where they all started sharing personal sides james blake told that story about how delpo waited an hour after his match to say goodbye after his last match roddick talking about how special it was that when del potro beat him in his last match he just gave him the four you know, it's just, it's those stories that make it great. And I just also think that, you know, there's a big what if he won one grand slam. I think a lot of us think he could have won a lot more if he was healthier. Um, and the fact that I'm from a glasses half full perspective, I'm really glad that he was able to rebuild himself in that two, three year window, 2016, 17, 18, where he got his career high number three, where he made the U.S. Open final, you know losing to Djokovic, obviously. He was just in so many iconic matches, even the ones that he lost, like even the Olympic matches against Murray and, of course, Federer and you know Djokovic at Wimbledon in 2013. He just brought so much joy and skill uh, to tennis. And we were talking yesterday. I don't know who taught him to hit that forehand, 
But, I mean, those of us that saw it, that Federer 2009 U.S. Open final, it sounded, it looked different, and it was just a, a real privilege to watch him play. It's miraculous what you mentioned about his comeback, his first comeback from the wrist. Mm-hmm. We thought he was done. Mm-hmm. Then he, you know, managed to improve with the slice backhand, and he came roaring back to get the career high after being out for a couple of years. So that, that says something about the man's character. But... Someone said on social media, you know, that uh, there's a lot of life after tennis, and I think, you know, he, his character will uh, mm-hmm. will uh, allow him to to become uh, a happy person and, and hopefully injury-free for the yeah. rest of his days. TFO made that emotional post about how he became a fan of his. It was his favorite player because he just showed kindness and signed a ball for him. As a kid, Fritz said yesterday after his Dallas win that that was his favorite player growing up and just – to what he means to the game of tennis. U.S. Open title at 20. No one since then has won a major under 23. Uh, the two Olympic medals. He put the country of Argentina on his back to win that Davis Cup. He was the main guy in 2016. 10 wins, you said, over number one players most ever by someone who's not number one. And I should point out, only four guys from Argentina have ever gotten to the top three. You know, it's Vilas, it's Correa, it's now Bandy, and it's Juan Martin Del Potro. So he is on rarefied air biggest maybe what if of in, in all of tennis definitely in this generation uh but you know i think we gotta you know like you said life after tennis hopefully he's pain-free and uh you know can enjoy the rest of his life which will be going on for a long time no he'll be fine you know he's surrounded by a lot of people that love him and argentina tennis community is is behind him and i'm sure he'll He'll stick around. He's he's a tennis lifer, and and he has demonstrated it. And the love all over the world for him it's it's uh, it's something that it's beautiful to watch. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of '90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Nico Pereira here on Tennis Channel Inside In. While some other events going on in the world of tennis, we mentioned uh, the Dallas Open. Good to have that indoor hard court. Uh, Isner Anderson played a three-set match with no breaks, one break point, three tiebreakers. So a a throwback to their Wimbledon moments. Isner pulled that one out. But I actually think the event's pretty cool. And I think that, look, they had this tournament this time of the year on Long Island in uh, New York, and it just didn't really stick. I feel like in SMU, this tennis tournament has the ability to to stay in. Players want an American tournament, and uh, the crowd support's been pretty good. So I'm, I've liked what I've seen so far. Oh, it's great. It's great that a state like Texas, a city like Dallas, uh, gets an, an ATP event. The, the people will support it for sure. We saw the players supporting it. You have to draw with American flags. That's that's great to watch. And uh, on the... Uh, on the Isner win, it's good to see Anderson healthy again. Yeah, Our, the president of the ATP uh, Player Council, and and uh, it's great to see John going strong at thirty six. It's just wonderful. Dallas has a rich history in tennis. I mean, it, it hasn't been recently, but seventies it was huge. Eighties even were there were there events when you were when you were coming up. Did Dallas still have a thing, or was it gone by then? No, I had the opportunity to go to Dallas, say two three years ago, during a the, the famous Challenger yeah. that they have there every year. I was coaching a kid 
Emilio Gomez, who actually got to the semis. Yeah. He he beat he beat Wolf. He beat Cressy. He had a good mm. he had, had a good run. Lo, lost to Kudla in the mm. in the semis. That's that right. was a challenger that Rodionov won. So yeah. so it was a great experience for me, and and I lived it. I felt the the love for the game in 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 the city of Dallas. One other note on this tournament I wanted to mention, we've got a lot of Americans, as you said, I think five are still alive to as we get to the quarterfinal round. Taylor Fritz beats Jack Sock last night. Good to see Jack back playing good level tennis. Fritz is starting to kind of look like the guy, like the American best player. I know Izzer's held the mantle for so long. Opelka's made runs, and, you know, Corda's got the buzz for the young guy. But, you know, after what he did at Aussie again, giving Sitzpas all he could handle – and how methodical he's been in some of these matches. I don't know if you're sensing this too, but Fritz looks like he's that American number one that could be holding it down for a while. Well, I hope so. Yes, he 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 certainly looks that way, and he turned pro early. He never had you know, any questions about going to college. He went straight to the <laughs> yeah. pros. And I know Paul Anacone has been working with him for a long time. Paul you know, keeps me current on what's going on a little bit, what he can. Yeah. And, but uh, yesterday was a tricky match because tennis is, is a sport of alpha alpha uh, people, you know, man and woman. And Jack Salk is, is an alpha male, no question about that. Yeah. He was a number one American for a long time. So the way Fritz beat him, beat him yesterday handedly, it, it was impressive because, uh, you know, Taylor has been coming up slowly but surely for the past few years and and i think you're right you know he, his character is, is is showing big time obviously love paul anacone and i think that you know what he's done for taylor what i've seen obviously not being there on the practice courts taylor's getting that versatility in his game we knew about the serve the big forehands and how he can just thump out there coming to net playing better defense changing his tactics when he needs to that second set was a lot closer than that first but Fritz found a way to just solve problem solve out there. Uh, and I love the fact that, you know, talking about their dynamic, uh, they each say, oh, Taylor likes to ask questions. Sometimes it's that annoying kid, like, why do you have to ask so much? But there's definitely a good relationship there. I think it's good. And we'll see what happens in this tournament. You know, all these Americans still playing and some other, you know, players as well. But it, it's a fun event in Dallas. Uh, Rotterdam is, is the other main stop this week for the ATP. I uh, just want to also give a shout-out to the defending champ, Andre Rublev. I don't know what's in the water in Rotterdam, but he plays some of his best tennis here. <laughs> it feels good, and, and Rublev is, is uh, a danger wherever you put him, but I think the speed of the court really favors him, and it's a great field year after mm -hmm. year in Rotterdam. Great job that Richard Krajicek does, does there yeah. with, the, with the event. And funny thing is, I remember uh, going to Rotterdam one year, and, and Richard was a young 17, 18 year old, he did not get the wild card and he was furious. <laughs> he said, I will never play this event again. No, yeah, there you <laughs> see, now he's running it. So I love those uh, that, that was that, that was a pretty curious uh, situation for me, but uh, they always get a great feel and it's great tennis over there. The wild card situation is hilarious to yeah. me sometimes. Like, wait, the, the all time story is right, Federer and uh, Queens Club. They didn't give him a wild card, how I did, and he never went back. It that is. was it. Uh, no, it's a, it's a great field. And I do think, Rublev, you mentioned it, indoor speed of courts, how well it is. He is somebody that, you know, is on the cusp. He, he's made the ATP finals. He wants to take that next step. It's important that he keeps doing it. He's been a beast on 500-level tournaments, like not just Rotterdam, but he's got results. So we'll see if that keeps going. 
Uh, Andy Murray is in a battle right now. He's currently losing as we record this to uh, Felix Ojeeliasim, but had the big win against Bublik. Bublik coming off of a title, and Murray beats him uh, somewhat handily. It was competitive, but he gets by him in straight sets. Here's a stat for you that I wanted to share. You know, coming off of coming off of uh, you know 2021, where Murray was just kind of getting back to his playing shape. My guy Chris Otto on Twitter. Murray against the top 50 in 2021, 7 and 10. Going into today's match, he's 5 and 1 against the top 50. So his level's getting there. It's just remarkable the story that, that uh, Sir Andy is writing for himself. And I could not be happier. This is, this is a guy that's a straight shooter. He's always been there for the sport, he's always been there for, for uh, his fellow competitors. And, you know, he defends the woman of the WTA as well. And, you know, he's a. He's a no-nonsense type of guy, and he said, listen, I feel that I can compete at that level. I'm doing so in practice. It's just not happening. That's when he didn't have the the, the uh, favorable record yet that you mentioned. But uh, he says that uh, he, he, he feels that he can, and he proved that he came into the top 100 again, you know, and he earned it. And, yeah. uh, and he says that uh, he still has more. He's won that, you know, he's won some very important matches, and and it's just it's just great to see that happening to to a guy like Andy. Yeah, he said openly, I'm not I'm not satisfied with just winning a couple matches at Grand Slams. Like I got to get to the second week and beyond. That's the kind of guy and the kind of fire he still has. I think he made the coaching change. I think he's trying to maybe work back with uh, Valverde now. I think was the latest thing I read. He's he's trying to figure that out. Nico, what do you think about the decision openly to say I'm not playing the clay? Murray's going to just focus on the grass after he gets through Miami. What do you think about that? Well, it's smart. You know, uh, he his favorite tournament is Roland Garros because he grew up in Spain playing on the clay. But I think uh, because of of uh, the situation with with his physique, it would be awesome if, if you know if he could take full advantage of of the grass and obviously play play well at home at least once again. So, wow, that's interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated that you said that. His favorite tournament was Roland Garros, this yep. British, Scottish guy that yep. loved, wow, more than women? Oh, wow. Well, I, I'm, it makes sense. Like, players, as they get older, whether or not you have an artificial hip or not, like, you adjust your schedule. So, I think it makes sense. And uh, I think Pam Shriver actually said she was like that herself at the end of her career, that you have to just pick and choose. And uh, I agree with it, too. Uh, Roger Federer kind of laid the groundwork, got results with that. So I'm excited to see Andy Murray go. I don't know what the ceiling is for this guy, but I'm not going to count him out because we know what he can do, and we know when it's one point he can you know, outwill anybody. Well, the thing is playing week in and week out and going mm -hmm. deep into weeks and then the, the majors having to go three out of five and uh, for, for seven matches. You know, that. But he, He's been there. He knows what it takes, and if he says – that he is ready for it, I'm going to take his word for it. Another guy I would just want your opinion on in this tournament, Stefano Tsitsipas, who's, you know, been at that level. He's on, he doesn't have his grand slam yet. He got to the semis, went four with Medvedev, same, same round, same outcome versus the same player in Aussie. He seemed healthy, though, which was a good thing. But what do you think the next step for an established top five guy for Sitsipas, what are some things you're looking for him to improve and how can he break through to go even further up in the rankings? Well, this, this is a guy that it's so passionate that leaves no stone unturned in terms of what he can do to improve. He hired Thomas Enquist now to travel with him. Uh, I think everything is... Uh, 
on a wait list for Serena Williams to stop playing so Patrick Moratoglu can yeah. start traveling with him full time. I think he's also waiting for that. But in in terms of tennis, he, he just keeps honing his skills. He's coming in a lot more. I feel he's more secure uh, in the volley. He needs to be a little more consistent in terms of serves because he has one of the biggest cannons out there. But sometimes it just goes away on him. But this is a guy that is going to be there week in and week out, try to stay healthy. He's a great athlete. You know, He doesn't need to improve on, on, on the footwork and on the movement or in the endurance. So he'll be there, and his time will come, I'm sure of that. Strong guy, obviously. Strong kid. He keeps, you know, putting in the, in the off-season work. Um, you know, yeah. You mentioned, I think you were the one that mentioned it before anyone. Like, he's an irreverent guy. Like, he's cocky out there. <laughs> like, yeah. he is an arrogant guy, and I mean that in a good way. Um, and I just, the Australian Open had a couple moments. I don't know if you've seen this before, and if you saw it. He didn't even realize he'd won matches or sets. Like, he yeah. forgot the score. Like, he's so dialed in. It was it was pretty funny. That's just great. He gets consumed by it. He gets into it, and he's philosophical about it. Yeah. I really enjoy uh, – I, I have enjoyed his, his path to where he is now, and I'm very curious of what's to come. But he's certainly one of the great personalities that we have out there, and it's great for the sport. I just hope the coaching thing doesn't kind of dwarf or make this – you know, put a cloud over it unnecessarily. The stuff with his dad seems like it's still, you know, disrupting matches a little bit. So, well, Stefano's twenty-four now. He's yeah. coming into mm-hmm. his own, I believe. Like a lot of examples that we have in the game, he he'll take the wheel and tell tell his father, "Hey, listen, this is the line. Please don't cross it. Mm-hmm. And if you do, I'm going to make some changes." And I mm-hmm. think he's doing that by bringing Enquist. I think yeah. that was a statement. Good. And I think uh, his dad is, is is reading the writing on the wall and. It's time for him to, to let the grip a bit looser because he's not a kid anymore. This guy is a full-grown man at 24, yeah. and he's, he's ready to crack uh, tr- crack open the, the, the major winning category, I feel. Certainly looks like it's coming. Uh, before we move on from Rotterdam, one last note. Uh, this Czech kid, Uriel Hechka, who, 20 years old, hadn't played an ATP tour match before, gets to the quarterfinals, beats Shapovalov along the way, 2-0 and now in his ATP career. Uh, finally, some young blood from uh, the Czech side here. So uh, it's exciting to see. Yeah, I was surprised that uh, Thomas Berdych was, you know, the last good, great uh, Czech player having such history with Jan Kodesh and, and, mm-hmm. and Ivan and, and Miroslav Mishir and yeah. so many, Marian Vida, so many players. And the woman took the mantle, as you, you were mentioning before the show, winning believe it's five fed cup titles in the in the last few <laughs> years crazy. and they're always in the final yeah. and kivitoa and oh you know they just have a great repertoire of players there and it's great to see some some young blood i know the passion that the tennis um has or the following that it has in in the czech republic so there'll be high expectations for this youngster He's got Musetti next, so maybe that's a little rivalry going forward. It's just funny that it, it's fascinating that Czech Republic dominated the Fed Cup with, you know, how small of a country it is. And when you think the cupboard's bare, here's Krejcikova just coming up and being the next one. So uh, some interesting stuff there. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nico Pereira here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Uh, one last note on the men's side of tennis. Uh, it's good to see another guy who's still battling, hadn't won uh, in about a year, but Verdasco's still out there playing, you know, went down to South America playing on the clay, got his first ATP win in a while. And I don't know how much more we're going to see of Fernando, but he still obviously loves the game because he's set and, you know, made deep runs at majors, won titles, but here he is still grinding away. He spent the off season in Miami training, and, and we share physios or or what you know. I, I had a had a knee replacement, so I'm being treated by by a physio that's working with Fernando. He's actually traveling with Fernando in Latin America as we speak, and he was mentioning the dedication of this guy is 100. percent He truly believes that he can compete at the elite level still at 37, and he's demonstrated winning a couple of matches in in Buenos Aires up to this point. And I'm glad to see it. You know, it's it's amazing the the group of 35, 36, 37 year olds that that is still out there competing and the passion they have for the game. And I think that's a great example for the youngsters coming up. 38 years old, still going strong. Has Senego next, a, a big step up in competition. But you love to see him, you know, still putting the time in. Uh, and also, I mean, this tournament, the top seed is Casper Root. He's just been dominant on the clay in a lot of these tournaments. What do you think it is about his game? He didn't. Wasn't able to play in Australia. He's back on the clay. He's cleaned up in the months of February. What makes him such a special clay court player? He's a modern day <laughs> Mats Vlander. You know, oh, Matt, there you go. Mats yeah. very very strong Mats Vlander, and it's helped him tremendously for his father to have been there before him, following his footsteps, and they have a great relationship. First saw Casper play the whole week at Houston on the U.S. clay courts, and had the opportunity to to interview him a couple of times on the set and. He got to the finals of that one. That's what he was making the first strides. Then in Buenos Aires 2020, he wins his first title. He's won five titles since all of them in last season. And he he accomplished that rare feat of winning the three tournaments back to back to back in, in, in the summer in uh, in Europe. And uh, most of his wins on the clay, but he can also play on the hard. I mean, this is a guy that works hard, believes in himself. He's putting in... The hours he's putting in the effort trains down at the Nadal Academy in Spain, so that that's also a smart move mm-hmm. that I, I feel his father guided him towards, and I, I you know truly hope he he gets all the wins uh, he deserves. I I follow Casper closely. Yeah, what he's done in his career too. A couple years ago, he was in like the sixty range, put time in to get to top ten, and people say sometimes that certain styles of tennis is boring. Winning's not boring. So he's, he gets results, and that forehand, Nadal, like he obviously idolized that him growing up, the way he kind of hits, he's got the most similar style. But good for Casper Ruud. Uh, Want to end with this, the women's tournament. Got to give a shout-out to the ladies. They're in St. Petersburg. Always a good field there. Top seeds are doing pretty well. Sakari's still going. Uh, she gets Mertens next. Kontavit's still around. Benchich, we saw some upsets today with Kvitova going down and Rabakina not playing in her match, but... It's another interesting time for the women. Uh, a good opportunity in St. Petersburg. What are your thoughts on kind of the level that we've seen and who can make a move and, you know, go into that sunshine devil playing some good tennis? I like what Sakari's been doing off late, you know, the way she she goes 
about improving and how she lives the match with such an intensity. <laughs> I, I really enjoy watching her play. Kivito has been erratic in the, in yeah. the last uh, the last few months. Uh, I wonder what's going on with her. I read today that Benchic is having some issues post-COVID, you mm -hmm. know, with some respiratory yeah. issues. So I hope... You know, she, she gets back in top shape after having a great season last year. You know, she's won that gold and is content, contending for for the majors, which is which is what she wants. But it's, it's a great opportunity uh, for the ladies to, to get it going on the on the indoors be before coming stateside. Yeah. So, so uh, it's, it's a special flavor when you see them playing right after Australia, um, mostly Europeans in that event. Yeah, uh, Benchitz has Contevit, another player that rose up the rankings, made the finals. Is she ready to kind of make her move? Uh, and then Ostapenko is still coming around. She was a 17 in this event, had the injuries, had some tough times. It's a Grand Slam champion, too. We're, we're seeing, like, the depth in the game. I mean, it's definitely not as top-heavy as it was. You go into tournaments where there's such a deep field of players that can make runs. I know Ash Barty is at the top right now. But it is very important that you kind of hit your stride in these tournaments leading up to the big ones to give yourself that chance. Well, that's the thing with the calendar these days. You know, you can you can strike at at, in, at any moment. There is opportunities everywhere, and uh, let's see who makes the most of it. But in in the women's game, it seems to be like the players get on a roll for three, four, five weeks, and then kind of have a bit of a letdown. That alpha female, it's it's uh, Barty, as you mentioned, and I just enjoy her. Her play tremendously. She's incredible. Yeah. It, it's it's just fun to watch her play. And three Grand Slams, a lot more could be in store. U.S. Open's going to be fun as she tries to put all four in her cabinet. But, you know, it's good. We're seeing Osaka back. That was, you know, we can kind of end on that. It sounds like she's committed to playing all the way through Sunshine Double, Clay Court season, Roland Garros, which is awesome. The game, you know, I know the ranking is going to fall, but the game is better when she's playing. Oh, definitely. She's she's still young. She seems to have come to terms with the decisions of the past and and trying to move forward in in a positive way. We know she's got the power. We know she's got the game. She's awesome for the sport. She goes beyond tennis in terms of of attention, and she seems to be in a good place right now. Yeah. And uh, we're all better for it and looking forward to watching her for years to come. Well, Nico Pereira, this was a blast. Thanks for joining Tennis Channel Inside In. Hope the, the new knee, the new wheels doing well <laughs> for you. Um, last thing, you know, Rams or Bengals, who we got this weekend? Oh, definitely Rams. Rams. Are you oh, yeah. saying that because you're in L.A.? Or it, no, no, it, no yeah. I, I enjoy Stafford and I enjoy <laughs> the, 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 you know, the coach. And, uh, they, they lost the Super Bowl before. And, yeah. and I really think, I really love their defense. So looking nice. forward to, to Sunday. Are you, would you consider yourself a Dolphins fan with all your time in Miami or just a fan of American football? Or? I'm not a no. fan of, 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 of any particular team. I'm a Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh yeah, no. Sorry to say, Don't like I to just, hear that. I just enjoy, okay. just enjoy the, the uh, the history. And I, since I was twelve years young, and and and, and I'm a Pittsburgh guy. What can I tell okay. you? Okay, all right. Well, we'll let that slide. Uh, Nick, always a blast <laughs> talking tennis with you. Thank you Appreciate very much, it. Mitch. That was Nico Pereira on Tennis Channel Inside In. That's going to do it for this week's show. We're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Go to tennis.com slash podcast for this episode, the entire catalog, and all of our shows. We will be back next week. More tennis. We're, we're riding along this season. For Nico Pereira, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.